This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by BetOnline.ag and DoorDash. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Joined again by Mr. Sean Siegel as we get ready for NFL Week Five. We have quarter of the kind of almost at the quarter post, I guess we'll call it, uh, when we filter in buys and, and things like that. But it starts to get interesting at this time of year when the roster management really starts to come to the fore. Um, Sean, on today's show, we're going to be getting a clip in from Pat Fitzmaurice, and we're going to be looking a little bit uh, at a couple of thoughts he has for the rest of the season and answering some of those listener questions, recommendations, and so on as well. But as we get ready for week five, um, you, you excited? Are you excited for two more Rotoviz OT victories this week? Definitely. And uh, the first thing I think, hoping that we get a little bit better performance this week from the Arizona Cardinals, and that leads us right into uh, sort of what Pat has for us and this look at Christian Kirk and what we should do with him. Hey, Colm and Sean. I have one thought and one prediction that I was hoping the two of you could weigh in on. The thought is this. I think this might be a really good time to acquire Christian Kirk in dynasty leagues. Obviously, Kirk's dynasty value is as low as it's been since he came into the NFL. My theory here is that Kirk is badly miscast as an outside receiver. I know that when he was coming out of Texas A&M, everyone thought Kirk was versatile enough to play in the slot and outside too. But I think we're seeing that Kirk really isn't meant to be an outside receiver. And yet he's been lining up outside on more than 80% of his snaps this year. But for now, the Cardinals continue to use Larry Fitzgerald in the slot. It's probably gotten to the point where Fitz is a detriment to the Cardinals offense, but Cliff Kingsbury wouldn't dare bench a legend. I suspect that next year when Kirk is presumably the Cardinals' primary slot guy, Kirk is going to start looking like the player we thought he would be coming out of college. So, Sean, you know... I don't know how much we've brought it up on the the podcast over time. Uh, not to add that that wasn't a pun that was intended, but in terms of uh, the Arizona Cardinals and Christian Kirk, we we tend to have been big fans of the wide receivers off this team and Isabella as well. Um, Christian Kirk, obviously, as Pat mentioned there, maybe maybe being a little bit uh, you know cast in a role that maybe isn't his main strength. He did mention there about Larry Fitzgerald and how you know as much as we love Larry, he like at this point he's past his prime um, and he may not be the best option in that spot I'm just wondering your thoughts on that do you think you know Kirk playing as more of a inside receiver might be the way to go we have seen him have success downfield previously but um, you know I, I think it's not making the most of his strengths by at least moving him around a little bit more in that offense um, I, I'm still a big fan of Kirk he caught the touchdown this week I was very happy to see that had him started on a few rosters but it's not gonna be enough to sustain week on week play if it's just a, a couple of catches here or there what's what's your thought on on Kirk uh, moving forward I guess this season and, and beyond this season 
The Cardinals have been interesting so far this season because those first couple of the games that looked fantastic the defense played pretty well they defeated the san francisco 49ers kyler murray is running the ball we have these huge performances from deandre hopkins which uh, we had kind of forecast that we believed were going to happen and so it's always great to see those and then the last two weeks have been a little bit more disappointing and especially week four with hopkins limited the cardinals looked awful they looked bad on defense and kyler murray was really struggling and anytime that i see something like this in watching the games frequent listeners know that uh, i record and watch virtually all of the games every week then i like to go to the road of his tools and see if those struggles are being reflected in all of the different metrics and advanced stats that we can pull up on the site. And so one of the first things that I went to look at here was his location heat map, which you can get on the NFL stat explorer for all the individual receivers and all the individual quarterbacks. And the thing that has been evident all year, but was glaring in week four is that Murray is really struggling to throw the ball over the middle, right? We talk about these shorter quarterbacks as something that has always been a big scouting point of contention with them. You know, can the short guys see over the line of scrimmage? Can they throw into that middle intermediate area? There was a big play early on in the game. Fitzgerald actually wide open in that intermediate zone and Murray very clearly couldn't get the ball up and down, couldn't get it over the line and back down uh, to where Fitzgerald was open there. And so going in, looking at the stat explorer, you see this is definitely happening where right now Murray is 14 for 21 for 142 yards over the middle. Uh, These are really low numbers, right? You go and you look at most of these other quarterbacks, they're well over 300. You look at his numbers from last year, he was 76 for 105 and 922 yards. Again, that heat map will show you that's in the red, that's well below average, still better than what he's doing this season. Now, a little bit of that is simply because when you have Hopkins and Hopkins is out there on the outside, you're going to be targeting him. You're not necessarily uh, forcing that ball over the middle. But in week four, where Hopkins was limited, we found that this Cardinals offense doesn't really have a secondary element that they can go to yet. The other problem that Murray's having is that despite the presence of Andy Isabella, who's made some fantastic plays, especially in week three, and despite the presence of Kirk, and this sort of going back to Pat's point here, Murray is only seven of 25 on passes of 15 plus yards. So he's struggling down the middle. He's struggling to complete the ball deep. And this is where we get back to Kirk where Instead of having DeAndre Hopkins' presence benefit him, it's really, really hurt him, right? His target share is down from 24% to only 14%. He's also not performed well on those targets. He's only caught 6 out of 14. His target depth is up from 9.8 to 16.6, which there are some benefits to that if you can keep your volume up. But anytime a receiver starts to get in the 16-plus range, then my concern is simply that he doesn't have the underneath targets that we also want in order to pad the stats. And that, that's definitely the case. The, the targets aren't there. And then with that, his yards after the catch have fallen to a measly 1.3. Now, you know, anytime you only caught six targets, we're talking about a very small sample size. But basically, we're not seeing any of the things that we want to see from Christian Kirk. So when you combine Kirk with the poor usage of Isabella in week four, the struggles of this offense, you're really hoping that between now and week five, that the Cardinals have a good week of practice and that Cliff Kingsbury makes 
some changes that benefit everybody here. Yeah, I still, I, I still think that he's uh, somebody to be acquired, and I think his value's definitely taken a, a hit uh, recently. Uh, I don't think there's any denying that, but I still have a lot of faith in him. But I, I have concerns over how the offense is using him um, and and how things are being sped around. Obviously, we're into one week where we kind of we thought this team was uh, flying and doing everything right after two weeks, and things can change very quickly. Probably still working a little bit through that injury, but. Um, you know there's there's too much talent there to be used in the limited share that he's been used so let's see what happens uh, in the coming weeks the next uh, clip coming in here from pat is uh, a little bit of a bold prediction for darren waller rest of season so let's hear what he has to say and here's the prediction guys i think darren waller is going to break the single season reception record for a tight end Ertz had 116 catches in 2018 to set that record Waller has 29 catches through four games, so he is on exactly a 116-catch pace. I think he can keep it up because of how lacking the Raiders are at wide receiver. Rookies Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards are both promising, but now they've lost time to injury, and the learning curve might be a little steeper for rookie receivers anyway this year due to COVID and the lack of a preseason. So Waller has 40 targets already, and with Derek Carr constantly looking to make those shorter throws underneath. I think Waller is going to be targeted heavily all season. He's going to pile up the catches, and he is going to break Hertz's single-season reception record for a tight end. Guys, what do you think? So, Sean, Darn Waller uh, going for, I guess, all-time status, uh, breaking single-season record is the, the call from Pat there. When we look at, you know, Ertz and the season that he had, obviously it was hugely peppered with targets but waller is at that kind of you know for if we're you know putting it out over a full season sample size he's, he's on track to do that uh my concern with it and i think he, he's going to get the usage and he's going to get the the targets but the the problem i think is going to be just the the pace of the games that las vegas plays and i think if if they are in uh you know positive script for them in terms of if they are leading the way in games i i can see the games being shortened a lot i can see the the ball being run i can see them establishing their run if you want to say and i can see them trying to to really kill the clock um and games where they're behind which i think will happen quite a bit uh, this season i think they're going to to try and that, that's the only way we see them up in the pace enough for him to get enough targets per game um whereas the philadelphia eagles in the season Ertz got it were we're really, uh, you know, going at a higher tempo. What's your thoughts on on Waller um, in terms of, I expect him to be the, the number one receiver on this team the rest of the season, um, but I also expect them to get some players back and get them back healthy as the season progresses, and that, that could also eat into that target share a little bit. Right. The first thing I want to say is I, I love this bold prediction here. I, I enjoy bold predictions, especially ones like this, which do have the potential to come true. Darren Waller uh, going to get crazy volume and and owners who bet on him this season i think are very happy those injuries to the rookie receivers that he mentioned definitely are going to play into this and make waller i think uh, the number three tight end behind george kittle and travis kelsey so not a huge surprise there whether or not he can actually do it is going to come down to exactly what you mentioned right one of the cool things you can do for his readers is go into that nfl pace tool and uh you can get lost in there and come back a couple hours later after you've sort of experimented with all the different things it will do for you but one of the things that i wanted to see because anytime that we're talking about breaking records we're talking about extremely 
unusual seasons that require a very specific set of circumstances, right? So when you're talking about having the season that Patrick Mahomes had two years ago, it requires a specific type of game script that has played out for the majority of the season to get you where you are. When you're looking at what Dak Prescott is doing so far this season, we know that it's requiring that Cowboys defense to absolutely collapse. And so when we're looking at a tight end potentially breaking the receptions record, one of the things that we need to have are a lot of pass plays. And you look at that 2018 season for Philadelphia when Ertz set the record, Philadelphia was eighth in plays. They had a 62-38 pass run ratio, and they had 38 pass plays per 60 minutes. In neutral situations, it was almost as high, right? So one of the things the pace tool will do is allow you to pick out the pace when the game script is neutral. They were at 37 per 60. Now, the first thing that I thought of, and the reason I immediately went to the tool when I heard this prediction, is that the thing that's always frustrated me in leagues where, say, I have Derek Carr in the super flex spot because i think that's where you know Derek carr would go he would go in your super flex just that they don't play fast enough they don't throw enough passes for him to be an elite quarterback unless he's going to perform at a level sort of above where he really is as a talent and so you look at las vegas they're middle of the pack in terms of plays they're 58 42 pass run they have 36 pass plays per 60 minutes right now, but when you go into those neutral situations, they're down to only 28 per 60. And so then again, it comes back to this idea of how much are the Raiders going to lead? How much are they going to trail? What's that pressure going to be? I think when you look to the kind of schedule they have with a couple of games with the Chargers, a couple of games with the Broncos, one of the things we don't want to be overly confident about, and the NFL will teach you this every week, is what game script is going to be. And you want to sell that to an extent. But when you look at how they compare to some of the teams in their own division, you're thinking, okay, well, these games are probably not going to be shootouts. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, who score a lot of points and have been very successful in terms of win-loss. But then you look at garbage time, and at least at this point, and you look at the second half of their 2019 season and teams are having a hard time coming back and putting up big garbage points on them in the second halves. And so again, you know, that might change to an extent. We would expect teams to be attacking the Chiefs uh, in those second halves, trying to come back. But you have a variety of games here. And most importantly, you have this preference for the Raiders to not pass as much as would be necessary to break this record. So when I'm looking at Waller and, and I have him in a number of dynasty leagues, uh, sort of on a lark uh, in the middle of the summer last year, I'm hoping that this prediction comes through. I'm rooting for it. I think it will be fun. Anytime that we're talking about bull predictions, we're necessarily talking about things that we don't think would happen. But in terms of the specifics of it, I think those would be your concerns if you're a Waller owner and you're hoping for this epic season. Maybe there just isn't enough passing volume in this offense to get there even if he's the main guy yeah and you mentioned something there obviously pat fitzmaris uh, sitting in the clip uh, you can follow him at fitz underscore ff that's fitz with a z uh, and you can check out his podcast the fitz on fantasy podcast uh, one that i actually produced sean's been a guest on a number of times but something when pat talks about rotoviz that he always mentions is that you can check out the tools and you know a couple of hours have just disappeared uh, as quickly as as the time has gone in so uh, thanks to fitz for putting uh, in the clip this week it's it's a fun segment that we've been doing uh, this season so far in the second show of the week and we'll be continuing to do that uh, as the season progresses 
You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. And ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, as a loyal listener to the podcast, you can get yourself $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Code Blue Wire. Don't forget that's code Blue Wire for five dollars off your first order with DoorDash. I'm Dave Cabin, host of the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting RotoViz Radio. We love producing these shows, and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, loyal podcast listeners can get ten percent off of a one-year RotoViz subscription. By using the promo code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. So Sean, on to kind of listener questions, your recommendations, maybe my recommendations, but what I want to do to start it off is I want to jump in straight into a, a listener question that came in and uh, we obviously talked about the kind of perpetual rebuilding on the earlier show this week. If you haven't heard it yet, head on back and uh, have a check out of it. But you also have written recently about selling superstars in their prime, uh, a question from Jack Black, um, and he's he sent it in here looking in terms of should a dynasty contender, I'm assuming that this is that he's contending in dynasty, should they trade Calvin Ridley for AJ Brown and Jalen Rieger? Now, this came in uh, after or prior, sorry, to the Monday Night Football game uh, where, where Ridley didn't have much action. But what's your thoughts on a, a trade like that? Is that something that you'd be willing to, to move for? I would. And Ridley again came in as the number two rest of season wide receiver prior to the week four debacle. That's very clearly a result of the injury that he has sustained there. Uh, even with that being the case, Matt Ryan had him open for some big plays and simply missed him. Matt Ryan, one of those guys who is sort of this elite game manager who's sort of a game manager on steroids because of how bad the Falcons defense is and because of the dome, right? So we get a lot of shootouts in this AFC South that kind of pushes him above uh, where he would otherwise be. It was frustrating this week because we saw a little bit of that Matt Ryan limited talent where the arm didn't get the ball to his guys. He had Ridley for a touchdown late in the game. He had Ridley for uh, what would have been a a 40 yard play early in the game, simply missed him on those. That's not going to happen most weeks. And hopefully these injuries that Ridley is dealing with are going to come back. I don't know if you can still get this trade now that you've got the donut from Ridley in week four, but someone I still love would be trying to acquire at the same time when you're talking about AJ Brown and Jalen Rager, I was looking again uh, just now at the wide receiver prospect lab rankings for this class. And we know that our guys, Brandon Ayuk scores really high. Justin Jefferson scores extremely high. LaVisca Chenault, all of those guys 
score above what their perception is and now obviously justin jefferson with a couple of uh, 100 yard games in a row uh, people are, are very excited about him jalen rager is the number one guy right and you're looking at this philadelphia eagles offense yes carson wentz has been bad but we also saw some of the things he can do from a positive uh in this game where they upset the san francisco 49ers you can see the elite competitiveness there as he throws his body around trying to make plays we know that he was a potential mvp candidate before the injury a couple years ago you're looking at rager as the centerpiece of this offense and then aj brown as someone again who really at, at every step along the way has been better than dk metcalf right and so as we think about that and even in this offense with the tennessee titans that's probably not going to be a juggernaut one of the sort of stealth positives i think that we've had for brown this season is that we've seen the titans look pretty good right john smith's played well we've even <laughs> seen uh some benefits there for their secondary receivers those guys playing a little bit better than we expected and ryan Tannehill showing that maybe what happened last year not a total fluke now a total fluke probably is is too down on it to start with but he's consolidating that performance and showing that he might be say a slightly above average nfl quarterback and when you're talking about slightly above average for nfl starters uh, that's a, a pretty high compliment right so in this offense now i think that even with the injury we can maybe even be more excited about aj brown than we were before the season started so this is almost a two for one i would prefer ridley over both of them but when you can get them in this package that's one of those things i would try and do where you're always trying to increase the number of potential stars you have on your team and increase your flexibility right because we don't know what the next week will bring again this trade may no longer be available but when we're talking about a player like ridley you're always just one week from that injury who either takes him out completely or makes him a shell of what he was before and so anytime you get two guys for that, then you have two different options to hopefully get past that. Now with Brown and Rager, both are already injured. And so it wouldn't necessarily have helped you to start the season. But when we're looking forward, we're looking at trying to create as many positive paths as possible. Yeah, and I think, I guess probably that's probably what he's leading at is, you know, if you're a contender and you're looking at Calvin Ridley, he's probably going to win you more games like, well, not in week four, but, you know, from the start of the season to this point, but you're looking at who's going to win you the most games from this point to the end of the season. So uh, very interesting one there. Thanks, Jack, for the question coming in. Uh, a couple of other ones. We actually have a couple of Stevens with a couple of suggestions this week. So Stephen with a V, I guess, we will jump to first. There's a Stephen with a PH as well, depending on how different people spell them. But a couple of suggestions coming in, and uh, Stephen mentions that uh, used to love uh, listening to Road of His Radio all the way back to when John Moore and Matt Friedman were, were hosting the, the shows every Friday. So long time uh, checking out the Road of His Airways, which uh, is much appreciated. He's mentioned a couple of shows, um, but he's also mentioned a couple of films. So I'm just going to get your take, Sean, on these films before. He says that he's probably sure that we've seen a lot of them, but um seven and the usual suspects along with field of dreams which he calls the the best sports movie of all time um in terms of those films i think unusual suspects is one of the the best movies uh, of all time and seven is one that i have always enjoyed uh, out of those three films uh, have you uh, first off have you seen them all and then the next question is is which is the best of the three 
I have seen them, but I, I like these recommendations. As Stephen points out, not everyone has. And if you haven't, you should definitely uh, get out there and watch them. Some of these older ones here. So some of our younger listeners might have them as films that are on their list. I'm going to go with seven here. Some good and bad things to this, uh, some gratuitous elements to it, but at the same time, a very well-structured thriller. Uh, obviously, Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow in this one, you know, again, if you're a younger listener and you only really have their sort of results from the last five years as things that you're really thinking about, you want to make sure you go back and check them out in this one. Uh, really the the perfect movie from a structural perspective. Yeah, I think so. I always like those that have a, a plot line running throughout them. So no spoilers been given out on this show, but uh, definitely all worth uh, worth watching. And you mentioned like the classics. Sometimes what I like to do is, uh, you know, you can go to like, you know, different websites, obviously have different like top 100 or whatever lists. And sometimes it's good to go back because there might be something that you haven't seen that, you know, might have been from, you know, 70s, 80s or something like that. And, you know, Al Pacino is one of my favorite actors of all time. And like going back and looking at, uh, you know, his kind of back catalog, there's some films that you might not have uh, seen uh, that have just somehow slipped by and uh, checking out those classics is uh, a way to go one that i always love watching and i guess when we're on kind of this here topic is uh, heat um with him uh, and uh, robert de niro but um there's always like good films like that that i think you know people maybe if you're looking through uh, I, i'm a fan of comic book films like marvel and that but maybe if you're looking through them on netflix and you don't see these other ones popping up you might miss out so those those classics are ones that i head back and and watch on to uh, he's also mentioned a couple of shows he's mentioned ted lasano uh he says a wonderful new show and totally hilarious mentions Turan, uh, a spy thriller uh, he mentions the boys as well being uh, kind of like the the justice league uh, gone rogue um i haven't i haven't <laughs> i haven't seen any of those yet sean have you seen any um you know that i'm i'm trying to get through these listener ones when they come in before we get into the show i'm trying to check them out and watch a couple episodes haven't got around to it this week yet but have you have you seen any of those yet well, I I love that we we got multiple great recommendations here that maybe are a little bit more niche. I'm looking forward to checking uh, some of those out. Do watch the boys; it is extraordinary. Uh, you will get some pushback from from some smart people on this as well. Uh, John Solis of the Solis Report. If you're not checking that out, one of the funniest football podcasts uh, on the internet. Uh, John and I have had some debates about that. He thinks it's a little bit over the top. That maybe the the evil of those superheroes isn't set up. I think that it is. And I think that if you go through here and watch this, this also functions on a number of levels, not just parodying the superheroes, but I think parodying some of the, or satirizing some of the uh, political things that are going on in the world. But the intensity level of this show, the darkness of the show, the way the show also functions very well, sort of on its own, simply as a story. I think that if you're doing a satire, you're doing some political commentary and the story itself doesn't work, then there's not really an incentive for people to watch, right? And so you've got a wide variety of interesting characters, characters with uh, different motivations, and then just a lot of intensity. There are, again, some gratuitous elements to this show. Not all viewers will appreciate those parts of it. It can be a little bit of a difficult watch at times, but at the same time, you're not going to find anything that's more aggressive from a story perspective than this particular one. So if you haven't been checking that out, make sure you uh, give that a try. 
Yeah, and I, you're kind of hitting at it there. I'm always like, uh, I have a two and a half year old daughter. So when you're watching TV, is it so, like, I'm always like, can this go on the TV or does this have to go on the iPad and I have to put on headphones to, <laughs> to listen to it? It's always that balance of what, what's happening. It's always good if you have a, a young audience wandering around your house to uh, <laughs> kind of pre-check those. It can happen with podcasts and things like that as well. You need to just double check if the explicit tag is there or not, but um, looking forward to, to checking that one out. Uh, another, um, well for me certainly international still kind of on the same sphere as uh you sean in america but we have uh, steven uh, another steven with a ph uh messaging us and from hamilton ontario canada so uh it's great to i just i love anyone that's an internationally keep hitting us up with those messages it's great to uh, see all the different parts of the world that people are tuning in to road of his radio and the road of his overtime podcast as well but he's talking uh, a little bit about a recent uh trade that he's done in terms of uh justin jefferson so you know mentioned obviously the, the two back-to-back games sean you mentioned um he had obviously the first game this trade done after that first game before the the second game uh this past week in week four but he moved justin jefferson and james robinson who all obviously had a big game we talked about last week on on thursday night football uh for marquise brown a first and a second from uh, another competing team um so when you're looking around this here, this trade in general, would you rather be on the the Justin Jefferson, James Robinson side, or the Marquise Brown and the first and the second side? Um, he mentioned obviously it's a competing team, so it might be later round picks. Um, what's your what's your thoughts on that? He's mentioned as well that he's got three firsts now for 2021, but he feels he may have sold on Robinson and, and Jefferson a little bit too quickly. Yeah, this depends a little bit. He he also gave us some other information. I was wondering about his rebuild. He had six first rounders in this draft, picked Burrow, Akers, Dobbins, Lamb, Rager, Jefferson, Chanel in the second. Uh, I'm looking at that and I'm assuming that this is a super flex with the Burrow selection. I think that this team is going to get it going. I had a team uh, that we've talked about a little bit on the show, the Curtis Patrick runs black crown dynasty where after three weeks and having garoppolo and uh, haskins as my quarterbacks and having really moved almost all of my value into the rookie draft for the startup i was looking at selling because those quarterbacks are simply not getting it done for superflex and then because of some big weeks from rookies this team sort of bizarrely scored 200 points in in week four moved right back up to where it, it's very solidly in the playoffs so sometimes these turnarounds can happen quite quickly a player like justin jefferson can really launch your team now in this case he's traded jefferson i think that's an interesting move we've been very high on marquise brown at the same time with the situation there with the ravens i think it makes it a little bit trickier now james robinson another very interesting player he's someone i'm working on a trade for in that kitchen cinco league that we talked a lot about on tuesday is he for real is he not now one of the things that we know is that draft slot actually plays a big role for running backs in terms of their year two value so when we're looking at Robinson compared to guys like Akers, compared to guys like Dobbins, we know he's playing from behind, even though so far as an NFL player, he's been far superior, right? The problem for these undrafted free agents and the reason that players, uh, fantasy owners are looking to get rid of them when they have that opportunity is that you know any blip 
And then the fact that you weren't drafted comes back and they're like, well, we didn't put that much into you. We're still not 100% sure about your talent. Nobody else drafted you. I mean, you look good, but, you know, is this all a little bit of a mirage? And so players are looking to justifiably get rid of them, as Stephen points out here. The question comes down a little bit to this Jefferson versus Marquise Brown. I think those first and second picks are going to be very valuable. We've seen a number of players already just in this very limited college season look very, very good. So the first round of this next NFL draft, I think, is going to be pretty loaded, even with the the strange, difficult, limiting circumstances that we have uh, sort of in the world and definitely nationally. Jefferson versus Brown, Colin, what are your thoughts here? This is an interesting one because uh, Curtis Patrick, very high on him during the offseason, wrote a fantastic article. You know, if you haven't, if you're a dynasty owner, haven't read that, still very timely, you can go in and get that on the site. But for our main event team this week, we actually benched Brown. And a part of that is just that emotionally it can be difficult. The previous week, we needed three points from Brown on Monday night to win our game. And it came down to the last possession right it, the, the thing that marquise brown could maybe not score three points in a game that he played the whole thing healthy anytime that you go into a game your guy could not score three points because in the first play he could pull a hamstring or you know something more devastating could happen but to play the full game need that last catch to score the three points that's scary we've got a loaded team we put him on the bench it's hard to think in terms of a second year wide receiver who is the focal point to this deal really being on the bench at any time jefferson now with these back-to-back games and again steven mentions that he may have sold too quickly but i do love the package he got back specifically on those two guys where are you on jefferson versus brown i think if it was jefferson versus brown it's going to be quite close i still would go brown um the reason i think is like we can overreact again after the four weeks versus two games for for jefferson like if, if you look at like kurt cousins and how the vikings team are operating like dalvin cook's just an absolute superstar and the the team's going to go as far as he goes at the moment it doesn't look like it's going to go very far but when we look at jefferson i don't know if it's sustainable in this offense to keep putting up 100 yard games it's not gonna be sustainable really anyway but i just think the way this team is playing they were playing from behind uh you know or in you know high pass situations both of those weeks so i think we're going to see that happened marquise brown my one concern is just how much this team's going to pass because they're not going to be behind a lot because of how they play they're going to run the ball a lot so there's not going to be as many pass attempts so that would be my one concern it always has been with brown the the thing i like that he's got here is he's got the first and the second round pick as well back and that really i think tilts it towards his favor like james robinson i would imagine is a waiver wire pickup for him a couple of weeks ago so you know if, you, if you're turning that into the second round pick and you're turning jefferson into marquise brown in a first i think you know that's a smart move to do it that way um he's mentioned as well on it that you know how how long is it going to take his roster to to really start to, to kick on obviously with the amount of rookies he's had in that draft there's some of those guys injured there's some of them not putting up a huge amount of points the other frustrating part can be like i have a i have a dynasty league where there's a taxi squad and like you know i have cd lamb still on the taxi squad and he's had like a couple of massive games but it's making that call of like the the rest of the roster spots and like i took chenault off the the, the taxi squad a couple of weeks ago and he had that thursday night football game where uh you know didn't have a, a huge performance so you can have those kind of decisions as well but these rookies uh and i still think that acres uh, well acres is the one out of the concern about actually dobbins i still think he'll 
will definitely come good um for for the the brown or for the the raven sorry but i think it's a good move based on getting those extra draft picks in um he also sent in a, a suggestion in terms of tv it's uh hbo's lovecraft country another show sean that i haven't seen i don't have hbo but i can certainly look it up online and see how things are going there but the way we're going to finish this one up uh, i guess um, before we get into your recommendations, I'm going to advise the listeners how they can send us in their thoughts for next week's show. And that's just by sending them my way on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, or you can send them to rotavizradio at gmail.com as well. I'll get them both that way. But Sean, as we get ready to, to wrap up the show, um, head us with your recommendations here from, from your week, uh, week four article. So my recommendation for this week is Better Off Ted, which is a show that came on sort of in the aftermath of Arrested Development, following a little bit of that same vibe. It's not exactly the same feeling, but a lot of similarities there and arguably even funnier. And I'm talking about peak Arrested Development in terms of comparing these two shows. If you haven't ever seen that one, it's a little bit more of a niche show. It wasn't on that long, but the episodes that they do have, uh, everybody that I know has, has watched those through you know, four or five times a piece. Uh, ton of fantastic quotes very funny easy to watch which at this point especially can be a nice thing to be able to go to and really you know leave those worries from the rest of the day the rest of kind of the world behind so better off ted the recommendation for this week yeah and arrest development i guess we can we can throw that into the the group as well for uh, recommendations for this week because if you haven't seen it you need to see it um too, too many funny things uh, happening in that um so definitely check that one out as well try and make this sh- second show of the week the guest clips and then the uh, the kind of the listener uh, suggestions and, and questions so keep sending them in we'll use the best ones each week as always you can get yourself a 10 percent discount to rotaviz nfl pass by going to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast or adding the code 2020 rv radio at checkout and as always before we end the show if you want uh, it'd be great if you drop us a, a written interview on your favorite podcast app it really helps uh, the podcast here itself and helps the podcast network as well and um, so we do appreciate if you can do that for us my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over Ireland. we will be back next week with another two shows and as always i'll be joined by my co-host sean siegel you can follow all his great work at rotaviz.com and until then have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure every possible chance to win this season is yours. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head on over to bet online today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses don't forget to use our promo code bluewire at betonline.ag that's bluewire all one word bet online your online sportsbook experts